Hello everyone, welcome back to Gaming the System, the feminist gaming podcast. Today we're doing a bonus round, which is me, myself and Alex. And we are celebrating once again even more awesomeness from Sony Santa Monica Studios and their latest update regarding God of War Ragnarok, which uh, is particularly awesome because it's not just the awesome gameplay, the awesome graphics, the story, the acting, all the things that we already know and love it for. They are also paving the way with a massive slew of accessibility features and improvements. Um, in I didn't realize that the 19th of May is actually Accessibility Awareness Day. So all of this is swirling around at the same time. So Alex and I thought we'd uh, come on and uh, have a chat about it. So um, start off with um, why we believe that accessibility is a feminist issue. Um, Alex, what do you think about that? Well, um, first off, I'm going to apologise to any listeners or watchers if I sound more quiet than usual, because I do have a bit of a sore throat today. But so we'll see how it goes. But to answer your question, Matt, I think accessibility is a feminist issue because um, so often there are in society there are barriers to access and fair and open access to everybody, and there are all sorts of intersections between. Um, well, you know, we talk about ourselves as intersectional feminists because we have different aspects of our personalities that kind of mesh together and define us. Um, and all these interactions meld together to create different barriers depending on who we are. So, for example, I might face more barriers as a disabled woman than you would as a disabled man if you if you class yourself as disabled. I don't know if you do. But, uh, yes, yeah, we talked about that previously on the pod. But um, I think, yeah, there's all sorts of different connotations depending on, you know, there's even a hierarchy within disability as well, uh, within within the, the world of disability, if you will, um, where I think just because society is so, uh, quote unquote, tribalised, you know, you, you get these, you get these sort of uh, different levels of what's normalised and what's acceptable within society and um where where you get that it's like the people that are accepted and normalized they're the ones that are always catered for whereas the ones outside of that um you know they're not very often thought about in from the design stage of things which is often where accessibility is the most important and when you don't have people a diverse range of people in the design stage of things, then you're not going to get an accessible product at the end of it. I kind of rambled a little bit, but no, that that was yeah. that was all of that was really really interesting. Um, the particularly um, the hierarchical nature yeah. of disabilities, because one thing I thought of while I was uh, while I was looking through the list of things um, is the idea that. There's the concept that some people are more disabled than others, Ooh. which is exactly that hierarchical system. Because yeah. you could go through, they said that there's at least 60 um, 
accessibility options in mm. so many different ways. And it struck me as thinking there might be one person who only needs to use one of these accessibility features. There might be someone who needs to use 10 of them. Yeah. Um, and that would make, oh, that one person is more difficult to make the place accessible for. Um, and as I've been talking a lot about union organizing because that's what I've been, I've been learning so much about recently. And they say that the, uh, the advocacy models of, of union organizing, there's the, the ones that don't work are the ones where it's a room full of professional people coming up with things to work for everyone else mm -hmm. because they're only going to know from their select group of experiences. The way you get actual serious change is everyone comes to the table. Every new person you bring in comes to the table and they, they get to, um, they get to have a say. And then that builds the thing that, that works for everyone because what is accessibility in the simplest terms it's making sure that anyone can access something and mm -hmm. talking about our disabilities i my disabilities our uh depression anxiety and chronic pain and those pre those prevent me from doing say working a normal nine to five job and Normal, yeah. you, Alex, as you've been yeah. showing this week, uh, working eight hours a day, isn't it like six days of this week? And this is your one day off. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, my working hours do vary. But, you know, I get I get nice chunks of time off. But, yeah, there, there are times where it's all scrunched together because of the way the rotor is. Um, and my June is incredibly busy. But uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that at a later date as well. It's all full of nice things but just very busy. Um, but yeah, sorry, I've lost the thread of what we were talking about. Oh, conditions in general, yes. And as many listeners may or may not know, I have cerebral palsy, which generally tends to affect my my dexterity when playing. And also I do get um, fatigue and occasional pains and aches and pains and things. Um, and yeah, so that's really how it impacts on my gaming, but also generally like, Compared to someone without cerebral palsy, I'm probably not capable of working full-time hours. So like 35 plus to 40 hours. I think my limit is probably about 30. Um, hence why I have, have a, the working pattern that I do. But, uh, yeah, it's, it definitely, you know, compared to even within, because cerebral palsy is such a, varied disability as well it's different for everybody who has it you could have someone who's even more mild than i am or you could have someone who with very severe cp who you know needs round the clock care um because of their various the various ways that it affects the body it's, it's basically a um uh, i think the word is a neurological <laughs> condition so it affects the, the uh, messages from the brain to the muscles in the body and various things so or at least that's what I was told when I was <laughs> younger but of course when you're young you don't understand half of the stuff that doctors say to you um, that's so interesting though when I think about the transition from childhood to adulthood and how 
you, the care of you is so focused in on making sure you can do the most walking when you're a child and then you're kind of left at 18 to be like, oh, you can get on with it now, you're an adult. But then they don't think about how my condition might change or evolve as I get older, which it is. Um, it's it's slightly deteriorating, I would say, as I now reach the reach the decade of my 30s. Um, and there's not much research into um, adults with CP. The focus is very much on children. This is going off on a massive tangent, though, but one of my colleagues at work said something very interesting to me the other day. They've actually spoken to doctors who he's had to correct and say, because they were asking about CP and saying, oh, well, I thought it was only a childhood condition. <laughs> and that's coming from a, a GP, you know. So you do wonder, like, how much people actually know, how much society knows about different disabilities and health conditions. And I think there's a real lack of awareness from the general public, unless you know somebody who has various conditions or have a relative or have them yourself, then you're not really, it's not really something that's spoken about or talked about enough, really. Um, I don't know how you feel, Matt. Oh, it's interesting what you said about that GP, because that reflects perfectly what um, I was saying about um, building policies from everyone. Yeah. If you only had, if you had a room full of those 10 GPs, saying how we should um, make workplaces more accessible to people with CP, they might just go, well, children don't work, so we won't need to bother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is why you need people with lived experience in the room. Yeah, we'll we'll move on to um, uh, assumptions that people make about um, disabilities in a moment um, but moving to uh, the the inspiration for this topic um, the God of War um, uh, announcement um, was there and what was like the the biggest thing that leapt out to you when you had a look at it I think um, just because it was so colorful the color contrast setting section was really cool um, because I thought of some friends I know who have visual impairments and this would really definitely improve their gaming experience, um, which is really cool to see. It is, you know, it's not... Just because it's not how we would imagine playing a game doesn't mean that it's not a valid way to play, obviously. Um, and to the to whoever needs it, it's going to really open up this game and... and uh, make it an actual playable experience for them that they can have ownership of and have agency with because they can actually take part and play it, which I think is a really cool thing. Definitely. Um, but that's, I mean, obviously there's loads more to talk about, but uh, out of all of the ones I had a brief read through, that one was definitely something that stood out and I was like, I've not seen well, I mean, I've not played The Last of Us 2, so I don't know if they had the same settings on that. But um, it's definitely the first time I've seen such a such a well-defined colour contrast rather than it being like a cheat mode, fun time, if you finish the game kind of thing. Well, Matt, you've come prepared with pictures. Well done. Thank you. No, there is. That's cool. Yeah. That's interesting. It's a little bit more blurry. It's kind of like Eagle Vision in Assassin's Creed in this 
in this screenshot here from the Last of Us Part Two, whereas in the ones from God of War, they're very much, uh, you know, very detailed, or at least more detailed. You can see the textures, um, and the expressions on the faces as well, which is interesting. Whether people with visual impairments would be able to pick that out, obviously, it depends on the particular types of impairments they have, but. To see the level of detail is cool. I imagine. Well, part part of it is just the the uh, the preternatural superiority of uh, Sony Santa Monica and uh, Insomniac. They just you, yeah. you you can't you can't expect everyone to be as extraordinary as um, Sony Santa Monica. Um, also, maybe uh, fair dues that the the God of War one is a cinematic. Uh, yes, that's true. But then also, technically, um, isn't God of War just a constant gameplay? Because they've done all of the, they did it all in one shot, didn't they? I don't know if they've done the same for this one. I assume so. But yeah, I see. I know what you mean though, because there there are parts where it's a bit more like you do lose control of Kratos very occasionally, which I would define as a a cinematic. Yeah. <laughs> It's just basically one. That's one of the things that makes it so epic is the one-shot yeah. camera. Yeah. Because so that you see that reflected in other games, like the Metal Gear Solid games. And one of the, one of the irritating things about The Last of Us um, Part 2 is uh, <laughs> every time like it wants you to... You, you, so it's basically area after area, and you go through a door or a passageway or slice shimmy through a gap and the way that they uh introduce every cut scene is you squeeze through a gap and then someone oh, runs no. and tackles yeah you. yeah oh yeah because they had to have time to load the cut scene mm. I, I only just recently learned that's what the um those types of spaces are for where you're shifting through it's to give the game time to load the next space i don't know if that's still true i guess so but yeah, it's interesting when you look into like how games are actually put together and what things mean because you don't always take it in when you're playing. To me, the, the um, crawling through spaces always got very repetitive, but I understand why now because that's what it's for. That's why the um, the world tree is a um, yeah. uh, a pretty smokescreen. While yes, it des- okay. frantically loads, the frantically loads the next bit, yeah. and yeah, I'm I'm very very gradually learning because I'm I'm determined to make my own games at some point. Ooh. Gradually learning, learning why things and the, the things like God of War and Last of Us Part Two. I look at and go, how is this possible? They can't be possible. I, I need to start somewhere smaller. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm. I like you. The um, uh, the awesome, most awesome thing, the first thing I saw was that red and blue image. Yeah. And that instantly made me go, that's so cool! That's yeah. so cool! And without the input of people with um, visual impairments, we would never get to see that side of things. Um, and uh, the, la- the last question I'll ask today is how these things actually enhance gameplay um, for everyone. Yeah. Um, what was another one that was really good um i really enjoy the um 
the attention to detail on finding things in the environment because someone with um uh who doesn't have any visual impairments it might seem really simple to go oh there's a bottle over there that i can pick up and throw there's a door over there that i can go through or can't go through um and the the option to change the size of those markings, to mm. change the color of those markings so they're highlighted, to have audio cues. And mm. one of the incredibly awesome things is the controller. Now you can you can have a little wiggle on the right hand side and that'll let you know that oh. an enemy is coming towards you like like that. Yeah. No, it's very cool. Very cool, definitely. I think it enhances gameplay for everybody. If you, even if you decide to turn those settings on, it's like it's more immersive almost. Because if you if you take the liberty and imagine like that, these sounds are happening within the world that Kratos and Atreus are in. It is more immersive because it's like you as the player are having to use all of your senses to to navigate the world like Kratos and Atreus would have to, because it's such a hostile place um which is a really cool thing to think about um one thing i, I think i might come back to on the last question I'll, I'll hold that thought and wait for you wait for you to to say it cool yeah you've both you just made me think of two extra things so yeah. we'll let that we'll let that pass always yes. it always happens when we talk it's great isn't it you're like oh actually yes we can talk about this it's just an exponential bro- growth mm. that we need yeah. to make sure we don't talk for an hour again like we did with yeah. um, them. Um, the ne- so the ne- the next thing I've I've been I've been wondering about is I, I reflect I reflect on my own disability occasionally and think about what I've internalized about what it means, what that means to say that someone's disabled, to say that I'm disabled. Um, what do you think are some misconceptions that get bandied about, about disability and, and in particular disabled gamers? <laughs> that they only ever play on easy mode uh, is a big one that a lot of people assume. And that also there's this common feeling that if you can't play the game then it's just not for you you know and you should play something else which is a crappy crappy take really um i think and also i guess that disabled people don't game you know that's probably another big one that that some people might feel because they just don't see it it's just not something i mean there are obviously a lot of disabled uh, gamers who stream on Twitch and things, and and that side of things is obviously growing, and which is great to see. But I think from certain sections of the gaming community, it's just no, the idea of someone disabled gaming is just not something that registers in the same way that they might not register that women can play games too. You know, um, it's where people get very close-minded. Um, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I don't tend to. I don't tend to kind of socialise much with gaming communities at large or like multiplayer games. So I haven't met with any um, with any sort of misconceptions of myself as a disabled gamer, as it were. 
but uh, I don't know if you have had any experiences, Matt. Well, I find that um, it's because my, apart from pain, um, that doesn't that doesn't impact my gaming. So none of my disabilities actually impact my gaming, but the stigma attached to them and the internalization of shame and judgment um, that has a tremendous impact on um, my life. Um, and that's the same for disabled gamers and dis- disabled people at large, I think, because they're told collectively when, when, uh, when, a, when something isn't accessible, it is a, a, an explicit statement of, we don't want you here. This isn't you designed for you. Yeah. This wasn't yeah. built for you. So, go away and uh, don't try it and the the misconception that the like the, the easy mode example um that everything has to be slowed down and simplified everything if if you've got something a product then the only way to make it accessible is to dilute it because that's that's mm-hmm. disabled people just need to be coddled um and go yeah okay we'll make these changes and being being treated like children by people who who don't understand and again the problem with uh it gets the less accessible a place is the harder it is to change it because Mm -hmm. if the only people who can get into a building are people who can walk up 10 flights of stairs easily then those people are never gonna think Oh, I don't have a, a single clue what a disabled person, hmm. what a disabled person might need. Yeah. I um. Uh, go ahead. I oh, know. I was just going to say it's interesting though when you think about disability in general. It's not like it's not a. Uh, cut and dry thing that some people are and some people aren't it can happen at any time to anyone mm-hmm. yep. um not to scare people but you know it's not anything to be scared of um oh jesus christ sorry there was a, <laughs> there was a, some pigeons just flew into the window uh. <laughs> i think they're all right but sorry about that um <laughs> that was quite loud um but no it's it's um it's something that can happen to anyone at any time and it doesn't have to be physical it can also be mental it can be anything um that impacts upon your ability to uh manage things day to day um i would well that's like the european uh definition of it or something um it it could do do with some work but basically anything where you feel like you're limited by something that's something that that is that is part of who you are essentially um or at least i'm not explaining myself particularly well i've gone <laughs> off on a on a little weird tangent there but um yeah it's just interesting because people people seem to like not be aware of that or just not realize that it's a thing and then when they acquire a disability at some point in their life they suddenly realize there's this whole new side to life and people don't focus on it enough really in wider society um 
Yeah, it's interesting. That's such a good point of that needs to be made every time. Um, disabilities aren't a character flaw. They're not a defect no. that people have just because or because they deserve it. Everyone acquires the world becomes less accessible the older you get yeah, because exactly. because you might be really spry and fit in your thirties, but when you're seventy, then everything's going to be Not a lot harder. Really everything's harder. Yeah, that's that's the nature. And you're right. After the age of thirty, you lose muscle mass every year. Do um, you actually? Yeah, oh, unless wow. that's why it's so important for um, people to do weight training, particularly as they age, because their bones become more brittle, and um, weightlifting um, keeps the bone keep the, keeps the bones strong, keep the muscles strong. Um, so, fortunately, I managed to get my fifty-seven-year-old um, mother weightlifting, and well, now she yeah she she can deadlift forty kilograms. She's an uh-huh. absolute beast. Very it's, good. Amazing. it's amazing. Yeah. So, I recommend. Cool, Everyone. I yeah, I'll look into like getting some milk bottles or something. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely worth doing. Um, but still, it could be as simple as you break your leg. Well, yeah, That's exactly. A couple That's of months. Temporary. Yeah, it's temporary, but it still impacts definitely. Yes. So it might be that yeah, you break your leg, and then maybe it heals badly, and all of a sudden you can't run. You can't walk briskly. Stairs are a problem, and just getting getting it out of the people's head that it's it's a character flaw. You're disabled because you've done something. You've done something wrong. There's also yeah. the element of uh, capitalism that yeah. says that if you can't if you can't work a forty hour work week, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. problem. And there's also, I mean, I may have touched on this previously in a episode there's also the slightly unsavory aspect of religion when you think about disability and how uh anyone who's disabled needs to be prayed for so they can be healed mm. by god and all that kind of thing uh which i don't obviously i'm not on board with that at all and i've had experience of that kind of attitude for much of my life uh through either various family or uh just the community around me but obviously I'm not religious in any way um I was very much turned against it mm-hmm. <laughs> through my own lived experience of people's attitudes to my disability and how they felt that it's such a shame and that I needed to be prayed for and that um you know it's it's like it's very much uh revolves around charity and pity mm. which is not something that I think we should be pushing really i mean charity has its place but only in in empowering people to live independently um not to give them money and then they'll be okay that's all they need um you know i have i have infinite problems with religion um, I, but I need to start an entire new podcast just to, yeah, yeah. I need to have, I thought of a podcast called like Matt's Soapbox where I'll, <laughs> I'll stand on a box and shout into a camera. That sounds good. Things. Yeah. yeah. I'm angry about. You didn't try that. No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. No. Um, but the, there's, there's such an, an element of surrender to religion, I think. Go, oh, well, God made that decision. 
good luck living with it. We'll be thinking about you. And I, I guarantee that anyone who's ever said I pray for you about anything, they've never prayed for you. No. They've yeah. never done that at all. It's just, just a load of bollocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we move on to the, uh, yeah. uh, uh, the, the, fun, the fun, happy side of it, of talking yeah. about how accessibility options aren't just about diluting and simplifying things and ruining gaming they're actually a a way to enhance the gaming experience very much um, yeah. you said something a moment ago which was just a little taste of it um do you want to elaborate on that? i will yes i was thinking as i was looking through the list i used lots of these already and i didn't even think about them as accessibility features i just liked having them as things i could do in the game so like they don't have to be like loud and proud I'm an accessibility feature but it's cool to know that they are um but I think in previous gaming times I've used a lot of things and I don't even you know it doesn't occur to me that they're a designed accessibility feature that's had to be put in to make the game better I just think oh that's cool that's gonna be good I'll use that so like subdrive tools for example I very often play games with subtitles on because like my tv's not far away but it's far enough away that you know well i just like to i just like to know what people are saying sometimes they sound a bit muffly in game cutscenes and things or or like they'll say place names and i want i want to know how they're spelt and stuff but having the ability to obviously change the size of subtitles change the color of subtitles have, a, have them have like a background so that they're more easily readable would be helpful because I, I now have to wear uh, glasses constantly while gaming because I can't read without the glasses on. Um, again, that's another thing. Um, so having larger subtitles will definitely help. I think sound prompts are a thing that, that have been happening in games that I've been enjoying but I haven't necessarily realised are an accessibility feature. I thought really they were probably more of a game design feature than an accessibility feature, but I really enjoy that aspect, especially as a a person who enjoys collecting things in games. Having sound prompts for things like treasures and whatever uh, are going to make me very happy (laughs) because it makes me, uh, it guarantees or at least helps me know that I'm going to have an easier time finding all of the collectibles, which is a fun thing for me. Um, there's probably an awful lot of other accessibility features that I make use of without realising, but that's the cool thing about it, is that even if you don't class yourself as disabled, you're probably using a lot of these features already. Yeah, just like it's things that you take for granted, that yeah. like subtitles. Yeah. You, people, Everyone uses subtitles for things, hmm. and they don't think of it as... They don't think of it as that it's saying anything about them. I think it's like a uh, so many of these things. They think, oh well, I won't use that because it's it, uh, it's I would demean it's myself not, yeah. by making it's not things. something for me. It's for someone who's more limited than I am. <laughs> That's what yeah. they'd be thinking. There you go. You can still play it exactly the way that you want to play it, yeah. except other people can change it. And if you go, oh, actually, my eyes are straining a bit. I can change. I can change the size of the mm. subtitles as well. I won't tell anyone. 
No, there was a lot of things I'm just remembering now when I was playing through the most modern Tomb Raider series. You know, the very last one, they had options to kind of up the difficulty for each different aspect of the game. So they had combat, uh, exploration, and something else I can't remember. Um, probably puzzles. And the difficulty was either easier or harder. For, say, for example, puzzles, you could have Lara prompt you about like how to solve the puzzle, and that would be an easy mode. And then the hard mode would be that she wouldn't say anything at all. Um, and I preferred the hard mode because I liked to be able to work out the puzzles by myself. But then also I found occasionally I would have to change the setting because I just needed a little prompt um, every now and then. But the ability to be able to change the difficulty of settings or the the levels of settings is something that's really cool as well. Having that flexibility, I think accessibility is is also about flexibility mm. and being open to having a player want to change the way that they play if they're struggling with it or if they just want to change how they're playing. They can do that, and that's great. Um, so I think that's a really good part of, of making games more accessible is just giving players the option to do what they want when they want to do it. Yeah, you're so right about flexibility because I think I think part of people likes knowing like they go I can just deal with things as they are. I don't mm. need any. I don't need any. Yeah, I, I often feel like that at the start of a game, and then I have to check myself and be like, it's okay to change my mind. <laughs> I don't have to be so down on myself for not finishing a game on like normal difficulty and having to switch to easy or or playing trying to play on hard and then having to switch down or whatever else um it's okay to do that no one's gonna judge you for it and i feel like i shouldn't judge myself for it but sometimes it's hard to get yourself out of that mindset because it's what's drummed into you you know like you're saying that people very often feel um like they have to stick to what they start with because they don't need they don't need to make it easier why would they want to make it easier? You know, it's that kind of attitude. It's sometimes hard to to move away from that. Yeah, it's what's it's what's drummed. It's what yeah, you're right. It's what's drummed into us, and that's partially yeah. why there's so much shame connected to disabilities because yeah. in a capitalist society, they say, "Well, you're less yeah. you're less able to input." Yeah. And so you need to you're just not trying out. hard enough mm. that's what that's what capitalism tells you yeah. you're just not trying hard enough you should try harder mm. sorry I've gone on a bit of a down now to bear. Uh, but, eat, uh, eat the rich yeah it's like when people get angry at when games are like you're having trouble with this bit would you like to skip it actually that's a really positive thing mm. I used to hate it when it came out because I thought <laughs> oh the game's mocking me it thinks I'm crap but actually, it's just trying to help you be less stressed when you play through and less angry and be like, I can't do that bit, but it's okay. I can move on to the next bit and carry on. Yeah. One thing you said um, a few minutes ago that yeah. made me instantly go ping, of course, that's such a good idea. Thinking of, um, so one, the, the immersion aspect, all these things mean that you can tailor it to make it more immersive. Hmm. and you could think of it in terms of this is happening because of it's the in-game 
maybe Atreus uh, has this excellent sight that makes things stand out more. Kratos is incredibly well-attuned hearing. Mm. And that maybe there's been a spell cast on them, which means that they can only see in these high-contrast colours. It's about using your imagination a bit more. Mm. That's another aspect of accessibility is being open and imaginative about what's actually possible why why couldn't that be possible you know if you think about something and say well well it's never been done before we can't do that why would we want to do that well actually if you imagine a bit harder there's always a solution there to get around any barriers to accessibility i think and your collective imagination is so limited by your diversity and conversely it grows exponentially with the more the more diverse uh people you have around Mm -hmm. you um i've i've run out of questions Um, is there is there anything else that we've we haven't mentioned no just that i'm very excited for god of war 2 and lots of people on twitter we're also speculating that this means it would be announced soon because of the history of of announcements around accessibility in games and the follow-on being not so very long before it's properly announced. So rumours are swirling. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see. But I don't mind. I'll be patient. I'll wait for them all good. But Did you still s- very excited. Did you see the video Corey Barlog released recently? No, it was basically just him standing in front of Kratos saying, look, we're um, we're working extremely hard and we, we really appreciate your patience. So I think that that means that it's going to be that's quite a, a little, while. That's a little, little clue there, isn't it? You know? Yeah, at least they're like keeping us uh, in the loop, which is good. You know, it's not like they're not doing anything. I know they're working hard on it. So, And these things take time. Yeah, I'm and hopefully they, I think they take really good care of their yeah. workers. They're not making. There's uh, excellent news that um, work some game testers at Activision Blizzard and Raven Software. They've unionized now because they were being treated horrifyingly. And Rockstar, who say bragged that when they were making Red Dead Redemption Two, that there were staff working a hundred hours a week. That's just disgusting. And yeah, it is. Hopefully, the games that are leading the way in terms of all across the board, um, like Insomniac and Sony Santa Monica, hopefully that will force at least some of the standards to change in the industry. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Yes. Um, but hopefully we'll be back whenever something new comes up with God War Ragnarok. Yeah. I have no doubt that we will we will be releasing something imminently uh, in relation with it. Um, thank you for watching or listening. This is Game the System, the feminist gaming podcast. Uh, you can like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us. And if you're listening, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us five stars and a little cheeky comment wherever you happen to be listening and get us more into as many eyes and ears of feminist gamers as possible um we will see you every thursday at 7 p.m uh bye-bye
we hope you enjoyed that episode of Gaming the System. If you want to support us, you can donate to us through our PayPal by sending it to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com if you want to send us a one-off donation. If you want to donate to us monthly, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamingthesystem. Until next time, bye-bye.